0: Welcome to the All In Your Head Podcast, where we get all in your head. We are a mental health podcast focused on anything and everything mental health. We'll have special guests ranging from mental health experts, mental health advocates, and just everyday people with real struggles. We will share laughs, we will share cries, but most importantly, we will have real conversations about mental health. So with that being said, let's get all in your head. Woohoo! Well, I'm yeah. glad that we're spending some time today. Yeah. I have two notes on my notebook for our time together, which I think is awesome. Cool. And the notes are your name, and then I wrote the word mental health. So wide open.
1: Yeah. Yes. Wide perfect. open
0: discussion yes. today.
1: That's so, perfect. Yeah, That's kind so, of the person I am. So.
0: Yeah, me too. So just start off and mm-hmm. tell us who you are and what do you do. Mm-hmm.
1: I'm Krista Yerling. I'm a licensed professional counselor candidate. That's a mouthful in Colorado. Um, And then I'm a licensed mental health counselor in New Mexico. Um, So I'm licensed here, Colorado and New Mexico. And then I also offer mental performance coaching and I own my own practice, speak stone counseling and consulting. And there I see both, right? I see Mm. mental health, clients on the counseling side and then i see like more of the mental performance coaching um on the consulting side so i do work with athletes primarily coaches Mm -hmm. and like affiliated personnel so like athletic trainers Mm -hmm. um physical therapists you know team pts
0: and you do brain spotting as well right
1: yes yeah and i do brain spotting so um Thank you for reminding me. <laughs> like, I always like there's yeah. so much I to cover. I should know
0: you more than you know you. Ooh, ooh. Look, being in the behavioral health space, I know how frustrating it can be to not know the current status of your insurance reimbursements or even how much you will get reimbursed. Illuminate Billing Advocates is championing better behavioral health billing through their tools like their dashboard that provide full transparency into your claim cycle. Check out more at illuminatebilling.com.
1: I know, right? <laughs> I'm like, there's so much to cover always. Um, yes. Yeah, so I do brain spotting. Um, that's like one of my big specialties and one of the most popular ways I work with clients. And
0: we're going to talk more about that later okay. on. So, so hold on to some yeah. of that because I'm really, I'm okay. curious and I'm not an expert in brain spotting. I yeah. know just to, uh, enough to be dangerous, but I, I love to hear yeah. more about that as we we get into our discussions around mental health. Awesome. So I want to just talk about the model that I have and how yes. this conversation really fits in. Yeah. So I created, I don't know if you've seen it, but I created what's called the Spire Performance and it's my model and working with people and yeah. just to t- kind of take you through it. So when I work with people, we first identify their performance areas. And so really mm-hmm. taking a look at the areas of the life that they want to bring a better version of their selves forward, right? And so for some people, it's business. For some people, it's athletic performance. For some people, it's just, I want to be a better partner. I want to be a better parent, whatever it is. But we need to define that because that's what we use to measure our time together and their growth. Yeah, I think a lot of times in mental health, we focus too much on the deficit and the medical model forces us to do that, right? So what are your mental health symptoms? Let's reduce those symptoms. That's a lot of uh, people's main focus areas. And I think that's important. You have to uh, reduce symptoms. I think the decrease is really important, but I think we lose sight of the increase. So while we're decreasing these symptoms, what are the areas of people's life that we really want to increase and grow? And that's why I created this model so that we can really hone in and focus on those areas, the areas of growth for people. Yeah. So once we define those, then we go all the way to the bottom and we hit these different dimensions and we hit them sequentially because I think the order is really important. So I'm going to kind of take you through that and then we're going to get all the way up to mental health and then we're going to have a robust conversation around mental health. Okay. But before we talk about mental health uh, with clients I really ask questions and assess their physical health. And so that's defined as caring for the body through proactive and responsive practices. And so really what we're taking a look at is their habits around exercise, diet, sleep, and then their relationship with drugs and alcohol and really assess that and and put a plan around that. I found that uh, in my work with people, they oftentimes make a lot of progress, even with their mental health, just by changing some of their physical health habits. And big proponents specifically of of exercise and the benefits of mental health uh, through exercise and aerobic exercise. And I I have a podcast a few episodes ago where I talk about exercise and the benefits of mental health. I've also posted blogs about it, but it's just just really, really important. And I Mm -hmm. think as clinicians, as therapists, sometimes people don't even ask those questions. They don't ask, what are your exercise habits? What are your diet habits? But it has such a significant impact on mental health. If we don't ask those questions we're doing our clients a disservice Mm -hmm. and then the next section that we take a look at is their environment and i define that as engaged in healthy and stimulating spaces so what i encourage people to do is just take a a look and, and put some thought into where they spend their time and i find that most people spend their time in two to four places home work or school and just a few other places right and so are those places healthy do you feel good in those places do you feel safe can you make some tweaks uh, in those spaces if you have control over some some things and you know sometimes people do small things just like opening up their blinds in their office and allowing some natural sunlight and for some people they have people in their space that just exude a lot of negative energy and they don't have to be around those people yeah. and so sometimes people just make some of those tough decisions of hey i don't i don't need to be around this person anymore and they're significantly impacting my mental health so i'm not going to be around them anymore yeah yeah, so just some tweaks in that area can, can go a long way as well. Sometimes there's big changes as well. It's not just tweaks. Mm-hmm. And uh, some of the research shows that 40% of therapy to progress is determined by what happens outside of therapy. So what happens in their environment and you know, people, places, things. And so we need to make sure that we ask questions around that.
1: Yeah, yeah, for
0: sure. And then we move on to security, which I define as psychologically, physically, and financially secure And really, we just take a look at weaknesses and threats, both internally and external threats. And it's different for everyone, but we just kind of do some evaluation. And sometimes that evaluation is internal. Uh, What are some weaknesses? Do I not have a good self-concept? Am I not really self-aware of myself? Because that can be a weakness. We also take a look at external threats. One of the biggest ones that I find is around financial security. I have a couple episodes on that as well. But yeah. people are afraid of finances. It brings up a lot of emotions for people. They yeah. do a lot of avoidance behaviors. Side note, don't forget to do your taxes, everyone.
1: Yeah, but, please.
0: <laughs> yeah, but it brings up a lot of emotions and avoidance. And I would say a lot of people's stress is tied around finances. And it's just kind of this looming, this looming stress, right? And it's mm-hmm. just always there, but they never really put attention towards it. Uh, right. But that's the that's the area of security, Yeah. So once we've done all of those, and again, sometimes clients just by taking a look at their physical health, their environment, security, making some changes, their mental health is already in a much better place.
1: Yeah. That's why.
0: That's why it's in the order that it's in. But with some people, once we get to the space of mental health, as I define as caring for the mind through proactive and responsive practices, there's a lot of work to be done for some people, and Mm -hmm. and that's okay because yeah. we are starting to reduce some of the stigma around mental health and we're talking about it more, but I think we still have a lot of work to do. And yeah. I think, you know, mental health is both a proactive and mm-hmm. responsive and that's why you know I, I labeled it that way because sometimes people wait until things are bad, right? They're experiencing mm-hmm. a lot of depression they're experiencing a lot of anxiety. They've had mm-hmm. things go wrong and they're seeking a therapist to help them. Uh, mm-hmm. You don't have to wait until things go that wrong or that bad, right? right. Uh, I encourage people to really assess their mental health and put some work into it all the time, right? Not wait until you have a problem. And then maybe it's seeing a therapist, maybe it's not. Maybe it's just assessing and evaluating your habits and putting some change in your habits. Yeah. Always need to be kind of aware and thinking about your mental health. And so that's our discussion today. Just two therapists talking about mental health. Yeah. Uh, advice for people, and then also how we help people. So tell me a little bit about how you help people. Oh, you can even talk about how you help yourself. (laughs) Because sometimes, you know, in in the spirit of self-disclosure, I talk about my mental health challenges all the time. I'm not shy about them. And what clients like about that is that I oftentimes tell them that if I advise you on something, and I suggest something, you can guarantee yourself that i've tried it before on myself and i'm i'm the worst case on the block so if it works for me maybe it'll work (laughs) for you but yeah just tell me open-ended question tell me about what your thoughts are about mental health how people can manage their mental health how you've managed it take it wherever you want
1: yeah well i i wanted to touch on like your model for a second because you know before i became a counselor i was a coach and you know i was a trainer and I was working with clients, like of all levels, all ages. And I would notice that I found myself more so just talking with my, my athletes, my clients, Mm -hmm. and they, you know, would share their lives. Right. And they're, they're talking about things that everyone is facing. Right. And, um, I was in grad school for exercise science at the time and, I was supposed to be sitting for like a CSCS exam, which is a strength conditioning
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, certification. And I was like, I, you know, I asked myself, right. And this is part of kind of answering your question. Like I'm constantly asking myself the question, like, what is giving me life? Mm.
0: You know,
1: what, where am I finding joy and that doesn't mean I'm happy, right? Mm-hmm. Joy doesn't always mean I'm like, so mm. stoked about life all the time. Yeah. But I have, It's more like a, a piece, right? So where do I f- find joy? Where am I getting life right now? And when I was working with my clients, I was in school. And I was like, you know, it's really hearing their stories and really hearing about what's going on in their lives. And what I found is that as I started to look at what I was doing as a coach and what you know originally my goals were I was like I don't know if that gives me life like Mm. I don't know if being NFL head strength Mm -hmm. conditioning coach someday down the line really does give me life you know I'm rooting for all the women out there (laughs) in the strength conditioning world for sure but I don't think I was supposed to be I wasn't supposed to be yeah. one of you know yeah. and so as I started it was kind of a fast transition I was like I'm gonna be a counselor <laughs> just changed like weeks later but I noticed that that's kind of going back to your model like switching up some of those things like exercise you know and just getting your body moving mm-hmm. you know I love that because I'm so big on movement and because I think especially my focus of like kind of that subconscious being <laughs> that we all have so much of it, we're just unaware of what we are holding on to. And mm-hmm. so it doesn't have to look like the best movement regimen. You know, you don't have to always be hitting the gym every four to five days a week and doing this and doing that but like what today in movement would bring you joy and if that's like going for a walk then great or if that's doing some yoga awesome you know I do jujitsu so sometimes jujitsu doesn't bring me joy Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know I'm like I'd rather not so you know, as far as like mental health, I love that you're starting there, like the small steps backwards first before we go. Cause I think you're right. So much of, you know, mental health work does look like looking at the deficits. Right. Mm -hmm. But when we, when we have that kind of mindset and like, if you and I were to walk around with a deficit mindset, right. where It's like, oh, these are all my issues or all my struggles and this is, and you're just constantly reflecting on that. You know, it's not, you're probably not going to be a very happy person, right? You're not going to have a lot of joy in your life. So really kind of shifting the mindset to, yes, these are my areas that I struggle with and I don't have to be ashamed of them, but they are just a part of my life. But this is also a part of my life and adding the positives, the good, I think that shifting that mindset is kind of what I do, right? Like let here, this space be where we give room to some of the things that maybe we don't want to talk about outside of this room, but let's also like bring in the good with, with it too.
0: Yeah, I think for a lot of people, and you did it in your own life, is just evaluating and really defining your goals and values, what's important to you, Mm -hmm. and then evaluate your life and ask that question, am I living according to those? Because I feel like many Mm -hmm. mental health challenges are in that space in the middle Mm -hmm. where their thoughts or their behaviors are not matching up with their goals and values. Right, right. right. And it yeah. creates this big discrepancy. And I yeah. feel like a, a lot of mental health challenges are in that space of discrepancy, right? They have yes. these goals, they provide things that are important to them, but they're doing something yeah. different and that causes stress or distress or depression or anxiety or yeah. whatever it is.
1: <clears throat> totally.
0: And so if you yeah. can identify that discrepancy, well, first of all, define your goals and values really think about what you want to get out of life like you did right. when you're
1: really mm-hmm. thinking
0: through your career
1: mm-hmm.
0: define that evaluate that's probably going to create some discrepancies which yeah. then that discrepancy leads to ambivalence yeah. ambivalence just means it's a state of mixed feelings you you start to feel uncomfortable with what you're doing because it doesn't match up yes and then <laughs> and then you start to make that change right yeah and mm-hmm. there's a lot of freedom uh, in your life. When you define yeah. your goals and values, you compare it with what you're doing or what you're thinking, yeah. and then you work to to make sure that your behaviors and your thoughts align with your goals and values and not, not right. go against those. And that yeah. I'll tell you what, that value work is really so important because how often do we really spend time and think about our values? And if we're living according to our values, not very often because we're just right. living our life, Right. Right. But I've known people who have spent decades chasing something, mm-hmm. they achieve it. And then after some evaluation, they're like, well, this was not what I really wanted. Yeah. Right? right?"
1: And right. they just spent decades exactly.
0: chasing something and it doesn't <clears throat> bring right. them what, what they hope that it would bring them.
1: Just to add to that, you and I do this, right? Where we're checking in with ourselves. Like even now, right? I have my private practice, and I'm constantly like, who do I want to be as a therapist? Mm-hmm. Who do, What do I want, you know, speak stone to, to represent and what, you know, and almost to a fault, I'm almost overanalyzing <laughs> yeah, you sometimes. Can you could
0: definitely do that.
1: <laughs> right. But, you know, I'm constantly like checking in with my values and, you know, and what, what do I want to do going out? But I also think that, you know, I had to go through my own journey to get Mm -hmm. to that place where I could even be able to have this kind of mindset. Right. And I think so much of our clients walk in and they're like, how do I even figure out my values? Right. And whether that's because they've been told their whole life by other outside sources, what their values are or because they had no room to explore what they you know maybe value or whatever so you know I think so much of my work with my clients is like finding their voice again or or for the first time you know and getting to do that work of who who am I in that discrepancy area of like because I never claimed like I always tell my clients I don't know the answers for you, (laughs) which is always such a great, you know, first session. I know. They're like, like, what uh, the heck? (laughs) Why am I paying you? Yeah, yeah. They're like, what? You know, but I'm always like, I fully believe that you know, like you have the answers within you, but we need to do the work to figure those out together, like Mm -hmm. so that you can start to, you know, trust yourself too hear what you want to for whatever reason, right? That they're walking in to why they can't, you know. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, I love that. I love that values work for sure. Yeah.
0: And then once people define their goals and values, right, then they they can start figuring out what they need to do to work towards that. And that's where, you know, some of the different dimensions of the spire performance comes in, taking a look at all those different things. I tell people that managing your mental health is about managing your external world and then managing your internal world, which is your thoughts, right? And so imagine your external world is your environment, where you sp- spend your time, your habits, your relationships, mm-hmm. those types of things. But for many people, a lot of their work is in here, in their brain, yes. where they have to do a better job. And I had to learn this for myself, I had to do a better job managing your thoughts and your beliefs. And it's kind of that yeah. classic CBT Framework, But it's true. And it's really, really important because our thoughts oftentimes lead us down a path. And Mm -hmm. sometimes that path is worry, anxiety, stress, depression, Mm -hmm. all those different things. And if people can start recognizing that the fancy word is metacognition, right, where we're thinking about our thinking, where we're just spending that time and space thinking about what's in here. You have to do that mm-hmm. first to evaluate and just start to be aware. And I think if people do that, they start to identify patterns of thoughts that take yeah. them down yeah. that that negative road. Right. And That's for right. some people, right. it's that those shoulda, coulda, woulda thoughts. For some people, it's yes. taking everything personal, personalization. For some people, it's emotional reasoning. For some people, it's mm-hmm. assuming the worst. Like there's there's habits that we get into. Yes. And I find that for everyone they have their favorites for me it's the shoulda woulda couldas that's that's the one that yeah. takes me down a yeah. negative road because i think about yeah. the past and oh man if i would have done that differently i would be in, i'd be in the right. majors no i'm kidding I've oh for
1: sure right
0: um, <laughs> yeah yeah but for you know if you can start to recognize those patterns hmm And then stop those patterns. Uh, You know, that's the first step. Because I always tell people when you when you when your mind starts to go in that direction, sometimes it can go in that direction and stay there and you get stuck for days and weeks, right? Yes. The quicker that you can recognize your mind is stuck there and stop it, terminate it somehow, and you Mm -hmm. only you don't have to like replace it yet. I mean, just stop it, right? Distract yourself, go on a walk, whatever Mm -hmm. else. But you're giving yourself a, a mind break from that; those mm-hmm. thoughts that are causing all these, mm-hmm. these bad things for you. We eventually want you to be able to uh, recognize what those thoughts are, and I always tell people to put a name to it. There's this expression: if you can name it, you can tame it. And I, I yeah. fully, fully I believe that. that. Yeah. Yeah. So recognize what it is, put a name to it, put a label to it, and then start to challenge those thoughts, to start to replace yeah. them, start right. doing some restructuring. And it's not a situation where you're having this like negative thought and then you turn it into a positive thought. That's not like, always realistic for people. It's not a matter of negative or and positive. Right. You have a thought that's not helping you in some way.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: I, I oftentimes like the word maladaptive. Maladaptive just means it's not an appropriate adjustment to the environment or situation, but you have a thought that's not helping you. So, yeah. how can you stop that and then replace it with something that is more helpful?
1: Yeah. I feel like when, you know, clients struggle with that or even myself, right? Like, like you said, you know, here's the should have, woulda, coulda. Yeah. you know, I, I don't think I have like a specific one because, you, you know, like, I, you like
0: them all, right? I love them all, you know, I
1: just love to use them all. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, I think my ADHD brain really, you know, it's like yeah. too boring to pick one. So yeah, might that, as well, you know, <laughs> pick which one I want today.
0: <laughs> but,
1: you know, I think I get caught in the the comparison or the, mm. you know, I get, I can struggle with that, like, or the imposter syndrome mm-hmm. for sure, you know, all those. And so you're, you're absolutely right. I call it like, it's almost like thought first aid, you know, and like yeah. <laughs> we're, uh, we need to just come in, in those moments, right? How do you just, how are you going to use first aid to get, get, stop bleeding out essentially, yeah, yeah. right? um how are we going to what's going to work for you for the client you know to pull yourself away from there that doesn't like you said that doesn't mean that it's over there's no work to be done there right, <laughs> right? um but you know how are we going to at least pull ourselves from that moment for sure i i love working with clients on that and like you said like i experienced that too right i think everyone can experience any of these right and it's those skills of being able to okay I need to go for a walk or okay I need to put the phone away like why am I on social media right now or or you know things like that or my favorite thing so I love name to tame for me I like to combat it so if I'm feeling like oh I'm not as good at I'm just using Mm example A therapist, you know, as Jamie or (laughs) I'll never have a successful, you know, practice or whatever. Mm -hmm. Right. All of those things. I love to like, I love to ask like, so what? Mm. Okay. Is that true right now? I don't know. Right. What happens if I don't? Well, I guess I don't. (laughs) Right. I guess I don't have a success. Right. I guess that's so, but is that the end for me? No, yeah. I know myself well enough to know that that's not the end. I would no. figure something else out. Right. And so I like to kind of, I like to let myself go there sometimes if it's safe, right. Yeah, if I, yeah. if I feel like I have the skills to be able to do that, and ask a question. Okay. So what can happen? Okay. Well, this, that, you know, and then I think too, another thing that I, I use with clients a lot that um so I'm 11 years in recovery from an eating and exercise mm-hmm. disorder, or I should say disordered exercise, right. That's not in the DSM. Yeah. Um, and for me, a lot of my work is finding a truth in the moment and I'm very grateful for where I'm at today. And it's very, very natural today to do something like this. But, and I move on very quickly if I have an intrusive thought, but before it took me a while to find a thought. And, and I tell my clients in the moment, find a truth that you can hold on to. Mm -hmm. So if a client's struggling with their self-esteem or body image, if they were to go to the mirror, and say you're beautiful like you who care like you got it going on <laughs> you know <laughs> they're not they're not really believing that yeah you and i might think that about them like wow you're beautiful you're gorgeous mm-hmm. but they're that's not really their truth right so they might go to the mirror and say okay there's nothing I can do right now to change this. So I'm just going to keep going about my day and be who I want to be, you know, and that's obviously a very broad statement, but maybe that's their truth that they walk away with. And so when my clients are struggling with those rampant (laughs) intrusive thoughts, you know, I always say, what's the first aid, how are we going to stop bleeding out here? And, and then, you know, in the work that we do when they're on their own and they start to have some of those like what's a truth that they can go to that they truly believe and they feel right they're not just saying something just to say it they're really identifying with it
0: yeah i like that because again you know going from these negative hurtful thoughts to like the world is beautiful and there's roses and butterflies and snow cones. Like that's not realistic. And what I encourage people, the process to go through when they're having these difficult thoughts is to first test the evidence. So is it, is it true? A lot of times we Mm -hmm. just have thoughts that just aren't even true. They're not accurate. If we really spend time thinking about these thoughts that we're having, there's no validity to them. Right. Right. And then there's a couple other things that they can do. So one of them is just decatastrophize. So Mm -hmm. sometimes, there's some truth to it but they're they're blown out of proportion it's just it's not realistic right a lot of a lot of things that's where a lot of anxiety comes from irrational right. unrealistic thoughts and beliefs right mm-hmm. reattribution is another skill is there a potentially another reason why this happened is there another yeah. point of view right and yeah. then one, one of my favorites is distancing because a lot of times in situations we get emotionally flooded and we're not able to access our prefrontal cortex And so distancing just asks you to ask the question, what would you tell a close friend or relative that are dealing with a a similar situation or having similar thoughts or experiences? Yes, I
1: love that.
0: that. And that that allows you to (coughs) tap into the rational part of your mind. The reason why I like this skill is because we're oftentimes amazing at giving other people advice, but we struggle to take our own advice, right? And so I've had a lot of aha moments with clients when they, when I asked them, well, what would you tell a close friend or a relative going through this the same situation? And they tell me, I'm like, well, why can't you do that? And they're like, oh, right. shoot. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I I always love the the pause there too. Right. Because I do that too. When, you know, people are like, well, what would you tell a client? And I'm
0: all like, all right. <laughs> you know, you're
1: up. You're mm. <laughs> See what you did there. <laughs> you know, I love that little, that moment of like, oh, Okay, I see. You know, kind of. I love that distancing too. Just yeah. being able to, like, if your best friend or if your mom or, you know, whatever, we're in the same situation, giving that kind of bird's eye view.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah, I love that. That's great.
0: And I find that mo for most people, and I this is anecdotal, but I would say eighty to ninety percent of people, if they're managing their habits if they're managing their thoughts. So uh, going back to what I said before, managing your external world and managing your internal world, having good habits around exercise, diet, sleep, relationships with drugs and alcohol, 80 to 90% of people that works for, and they're Mm -hmm. they're able to make a lot of progress towards their mental health. I think that there's still this small population that struggles. And just by doing that, it doesn't really get them to where they need yeah. to, to be. And yeah. for a lot of those people, those are the people who maybe have had really significant trauma or
1: mm-hmm.
0: are, other are are there yeah. things going on in their lives that are a little, a little more complex. Right. That, well, I mean, you that, could yeah, use this, me
1: right okay. as an okay. example because- you know, years ago, it feels like a different lifetime, right? Like if I get a morning to sleep in at this stage of my life, I'm going to sleep in, I'm not going to wake up and go for a run. (laughs) So it really does feel like a different lifetime, but you know, in the past I had great exercise habits. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was training for ultra marathons. So, I mean, I was running, i tried to do some strength conditioning. I had no idea what that was though. So I did very loose strength conditioning (laughs) from the outside. I had phenomenal, like, you know, I was very restrictive. Mm -hmm. So I looked like I was very regimented and had, you know, my nutrition on lock, which Mm -hmm. was a lie, but on the outside, right. It looked like, okay, she works out. She eats like Phenomenal. Like she's, you know, got her mm-hmm. nutrition in check. And so she must be so happy, you know, and like must yeah. be like thriving in life. But I was not thriving, you know, I was like severely chained to this, you know, pattern. Mm-hmm. And so I think you're right. Like sometimes you have to flip the script and you have to go to the mental health and then add in, you know, now movement and like eating well and stuff they're actually like so wonderful to me you know it's I I don't feel those like restrictions anymore and I don't you know but you know if I met with someone and they were like well let's just add in some more fitness Hmm. let's add in some more of like your habits because also you know I'm an extrovert obviously <laughs> and and so I was meeting with friends I was having yeah. coffee I was going to the parties I was you know and engaging with people I wasn't like totally isolating in ways that were noticeable right mm-hmm. and um so externally you know if I probably could have sold myself really well back then as yeah. like someone that was very social and very fit and you know taking care of myself and I think those pieces would have been kind of missed you know but I almost had to like go back and deconstruct those levels of you know what your pyramid is and really go to the mental health first and then be able to go back but I do think you're right that there is a lot to be said of you know, we're just in a society where we're constantly busy. We're doing, 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 doing. And a lot of that affects our self-care. So we don't, we tend to put it on the back burner, especially as a mom, I'm speaking to the ladies, (laughs) (laughs) you know, I think we tend to be like, well, I got to make this costume and I got to do this. And then, oh, I can't stand the kitchen the way it is right now. So Uh I'm going to clean it. And then by the time you're done, you're just exhausted, you know, and so I think it is, you're right, majority of us need to just go and get back in touch with some other aspects that can really help our mental health. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. but you're right, too, that there are some of us that needed to just go straight to the mental health, <laughs> and then we could go back, yeah.
0: And there, there's some very uh, amazing and specific interventions that can do that, right? And mm-hmm. I want to talk about brain spotting for a second, just because I don't know a yeah. whole lot about it. And I've heard a lot of good things about it. Yeah. And so tell us how brain spotting can help people.
1: So basically the premise is like where you look affects how you feel. So mm-hmm. we're constantly taking in information right through our eyes. And with that, right, we're registering all the things, right? Mm-hmm. All of the Maybe it's an, a happy moment, you know, maybe it's not so great, you know, whatever the moment is, but we're not really like consciously recognizing that process. Right. So with brain spotting, it's a, like, it's a fixed eye position. We find a spot, you know, and that's a, com- that's not complicated, but it's a process, oh, right? Okay. The therapist and the client will do together. We find a spot, have like a little fancy pointer, that sometimes I put fun puppets on, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's all the things. And what we're essentially doing is we're like accessing the brain body connections. So we're going to that mid brain, we're going to that mm-hmm. limbic system and we are going to kind of let what needs to come out, come out. So okay. say a, a client experiences a car accident, just a hypothetical situation situation. Maybe they've done the the work and they've done the talk therapy and, you know, and they know that it wasn't their fault or, you know, it was an accident, like they can't control it. Right. But maybe every time they get into the car, they they start sweating or they just Mm -hmm. are nervous or with brain spotting, we get to just maybe use that as a framework. Like maybe we would say, okay, let's talk about your accident and let's see where you are as far as like a zero to 10, right? Like we're going to see how activated you are. We're going to check in with the body, see if they're noticing anything in their body. And then we're going to, you know, find the spot and that's its own process, Mm -hmm. but typically pretty fast, you know, a, a fast process depending on. And then we have the client think on that particular distressing event or memory or whatever and notice their body and then from there as a therapist I just sit back and I am here and I'm present and I have you know I'm I tell my clients I'm looking at you Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm here, but that's, I'm not being a creeper. I'm not staring at you, you know, I'm not trying to like creep on you here, you know, what I'm doing is I am holding the space. And so that's why I'm looking at you and you can come back to me. Like they can always come back to me. They don't have to stare at the pointer, you know, they can look anywhere really, but we just, I'm going to hold the pointer there and I'm going to hold that space for them And then whatever comes out, comes out. So maybe we start on the car accident, you know, but maybe we ended up on like their favorite purple socks. I don't know. I'm just, (laughs) you know, I don't really take a stance as the, as the brain spine therapist that I know what's going to come out. I don't take that stance. I, we call it the tail of the comet. So essentially the brain, right. Neurons that wire together, fire together. Right. So Mm -hmm. maybe that particular spot holds a lot for that person. I don't know, but it might hold a lot of different associations and a a lot of different memories in the unconscious brain. So we just kind of follow the tail of the comet, you know, wherever the brain needs to go it's going to go, you know, and then at the end, and, and again, sometimes I try to not talk right throughout mm-hmm. it. Cause that yeah. could be really disrupting to the process, but I try to, you know, if a client is kind of coming back to that more prefrontal cortex during the process, but they're kind of like starting to go into that logic brain. Yeah. I know that they've kind of left the left the midbrain and they're like, oh well, I'm noticing and I think that, you know, then I'll kind of maybe guide them back and I'm like, great, like notice those socks, (laughs) you know, or whatever. Notice, notice that you're, you know, if they're saying, man, my chest is just like so heavy I can't take a breath, then I'll just say, okay, like notice, just notice your chest feeling really heavy and try to kind of guide them back into it and it can feel like a roller coaster for sure (laughs) you know it can be really exhausting because you're constantly like maybe you're in some deep processing and then that like prefrontal cortex just kind of pulls you back and you're you know so it can be really exhausting but at the end of the session I'll always come back to the original kind of you know say it's the car accident or something and we'll kind of assess again like how because you think on this event or memory or whatever, you know, where are you finding yourself on that scale? And, and that's kind of like a really general mm-hmm. <laughs> quick uh, explanation. But yeah, the goal would be that if someone's starting at like an eight, right, or even a five or mm-hmm. a three, whatever, that we're eventually working our way down to that zero and then once we get to the zero, they call it squeezing the lemon, we're going to kind of go back into it a little bit more, mm-hmm. and see if there is anything more, and then kind of, you know, see if it if it can really be a zero, you know. Yeah.
0: And, and when you use the scale, you know, eight, zero. Yeah. What are they using as the measure? Is it a, a level of yeah. emotionality? Or what is it?
1: Yeah, so I think it kind of, um, this is where I might do things a little different than mm-hmm really it could be it's like how distressing is this right how like if we're talking about the car accident I would assume that they're probably not saying they're very calm you know Mm -hmm. um so I might be checking in like how distressing right now how distressing is this for you um and and then I kind of will use my clients words too. Right. Oh, if they're saying yeah. like, every time I think about this, get really anxious, I might use anxious instead of distressing. You yeah. might say like, okay, on a zero to 10, how anxious are you? You know? So I do try to use, you know, and some, some brain spine therapists might not, they might use, you know, just keep it like one yeah. at each time. But I try to kind of tailor it to my clients. Like, If they're using the word anxious or if they're using the word sad, I'm going to say how sad, you know, on a zero to 10 are you feeling?
0: Yeah. Yeah, And I think that I think that's great. I like a lot of models, but I'm not a purist to any model. So what I tell people is take this model and make it yours based on. Don't 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 do, you know, wacko science and and, and just make shit. up. (laughs) Take something that has been proven to work but makes you know whatever adjustments that you feel like you need to make based on who you are as a professional but also the clients that you meet with and so just a last question on that because it might be helpful for the Mm -hmm. listeners who would be a good candidate for brain spotting
1: yeah that is a good question i think anyone right we all have brains (laughs) hopefully (laughs) i think that's questionable for some no i'm kidding (laughs) um (laughs) No, uh, really anyone. Um, I think brain spotting, if we want to like, you know, if we wanted to narrow it, you could talk on like trauma, but you know, I use brain spotting in performance too, where maybe a client's just questioning their ability to perform or something's going on in performance. So brain spotting is great for performance as well. There's a lot of different ways we can brain spot, um, and some of those are geared towards more like performance or it, we would call it like an expansion spot. And that's really kind of like, you know, where can we like elevate into this belief of like this positive or this like great mentality that we're hearing from the client? Maybe they're saying, you know, it wasn't my fault. Yeah. And I realize that. And now I'm so that's when I'd be like, let's go to an expansion spot and like, Let's get that in the midbrain, you know? And so really anyone is a good candidate for brain spotting. It is great for trauma. And I always tell my clients, I'm never going to leave you in a place of like total dysregulation. Mm -hmm. Right. I would never be like, well, our time's up. I'll see you later. (laughs) Sorry.
0: Krista, our plan was to talk about mental health with no with no plan. <laughs> I said, yes. our plan. Our plan was to talk about mental health, but we didn't have a plan, but I think we accomplished it. Right.
1: Yes, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I love this. This was so great. And I'd love to hear like a little bit more about your model, more from you. Cause I, yeah. I've read it and I've seen it. So I loved getting to hear that too. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Good. Well, thanks for taking the time, Krista, tell the listeners how they can find out more about you, any resources that you have, the services that you offer?
1: Yeah, so my practice is Speakstone Counseling and Consulting. So you can find me at speakstonecc.com.
0: Oh, that's amazing. Thanks for taking the time. Yeah. You are helping a lot of people. and Thanks for sharing your story, too, and being vulnerable and, and giving us a, a piece of your story. I think that was helpful for our listeners. Keep up the good work that you're doing, Krista. Thank you. You have just listened to the All In Your Head podcast. Learn more by following Jamie Glick on LinkedIn or by subscribing to the Mental Health Training Camp YouTube channel. If you are experiencing a mental health crisis, you can call now or text 988 to get connected to free confidential support. Thanks for listening.